This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth, according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here this morning. Thankful uh, to be here to worship together. Thankful to sing songs of praise and pray together to our God. Uh, as we started a, a, a few weeks ago, a study on leadership, we're going to continue that this morning. And we're going to talk about being a disciple of Christ as the next layer as we looked at starting with the individual life. Uh, in the last study, we asked two questions and examined those uh, in depth. And the first is, do you believe in Jesus? Uh, it's important if you are going to be a man that is a leader in, in the congregation as an elder or a deacon, and important for you generally as a Christian, uh, this is a question you must answer. Do you believe that He is God in the flesh, that He saves us from uh, sins by being joined together in His death and His resurrection? And the second question is, do you believe in His Word? That it is knowledge that comes from God, that it is reliable eyewitness testimony from people who heard and saw and walked with Jesus, uh, and that it is something that we should live in subjection to as the authority in our lives and take it seriously because it's going to be the judge of our life. And if you said yes to these questions, um, then that means that you are wanting to be a follower of Christ and a disciple. And so this, in this study, what we're going to examine is the qualities and the things that we should find in our lives if we truly are disciples of Christ. Um, and it won't, it won't be a comprehensive uh, list because there are many things that we ought to be doing if we are disciples, but I think it will it'll cut to the heart of the issue and, and help us to understand what are the qualities that will help us to be disciples of Christ. Uh, now, this is important, again, as we center on this idea of leadership. Uh, and, and I want to repeat this again. Even if you're not married yet, um, you know, if you're a young lady, if, uh, don't check out from this study because it's about leadership and we're talking and building up to this concept of elders and deacons because it is very important for you uh, to understand the qualities of, in, in general, these ideas and these things apply to you as a Christian um, and these are important qualities for everyone to have. Uh, but especially I want all the men to pay attention as we go through the study because it is important for you to exhibit these qualities if you expect to be a leader in the congregation of the, of the Lord's church. Uh, because if you are not a disciple of Christ, well, first of all, back to those two questions, if you don't believe that, then you're not qualified to be a leader. Uh, if you don't believe that Jesus came in the flesh and saves us from our sins, if you don't believe in the power of baptism, if you don't believe in his word, then you won't be a good, effective leader. And especially on this question of discipleship, if you are not living as a disciple and have these things and these qualities in your life, how can you encourage anyone to be a disciple? How can you help to nourish and nurture anyone else to be a disciple of Christ? So that's why this, these ideas matter for you as an individual in your life to, to have these qualities. That's where it starts. That's where leadership begins is with you. Um, so we want to look at discipleship. Uh, being a disciple means to be a pupil, to be a learner. And in this case, we are disciples of Jesus, and we want to be followers of Jesus. And, and we have to learn and follow the example of Christ. And really, John uh, sums it up, I think, really nicely, the idea of discipleship in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. He says, he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. So that really captures the heart and the idea of discipleship. We ought to look at the life of Jesus and walk and live as he walked. Think how Jesus thought. 
speak as Jesus spoke and, and teach as Jesus taught. These are the things that we ought to do in our lives, and, and that's what's going to help us to, uh, to truly be a follower of His. Not just somebody who learns and hears the Word of God, but somebody who carries it out, somebody that applies it to their lives and is truly seeking to live as Jesus lived. Uh, so how is it that Jesus walked? Well, I think it can be summarized um, really when you look at the two great commandments, because uh, from these two great commandments, the rest, of the, the rest of the ideas of holiness and righteousness and the commandments of God, they really flow from these two concepts. In Mark chapter 12, someone asked him, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, there's two. He said, first of all, uh, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. So this is the fundamental uh, starting point of all the commandments, really, is to love God and, and put Him first and to love Him. And the second, he says, is like, like it. It's similar, and it's very connected to that. And it's namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, there is none other commandment greater than these. And so it's interesting that this man asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus gives him kind of two parts to that. So I think you can look at these together as a whole because how you love other people is a reflection of your love for God. And we'll get into that uh, here in a moment. But, but Jesus, you look at his life, you look at the way he lived, the way that, that he was written about in the Gospels and the way the, eyewitness, uh, the eyewitnesses wrote about him and spoke about him, Jesus lived his life in a way that perfectly embodied these two ideas of loving God with your all and loving other people as well. Um, and so we can look to Jesus' example and learn how to love God and love man as he did. And, and those are the two things that we ought to do and walk as Jesus walked, as John says here. If we are disciples, if, if we say that we believe in Christ, if we say that we believe in his word and we are Christians, and we say that we're abiding in Him, then this is the way we ought to live and walk as He walked. So we're going to start off by looking at this idea of loving God. And to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind is to love God the most in your life. He's the one that we ought to care about the most and love the most and listen to the most and follow because the, the people that you love, the people that you look up to, the people that, that you're close to, those are the people that influence you. And you're going to make the decisions in your life around that influence. You're going to let that, that love for those people dictate the actions that you take and the way that you shape your life and the way that you shape your thoughts. And so it's important for us to let God be the foundation and the starting point of, of the one that we love the most. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. He says, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And we need to think about that. And, and I'm sure we could just sit there and meditate on that one phrase alone. He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. You cannot be a disciple of Christ if you have a devotion to your father or mother that is superior to the devotion that you have to Christ. And then he says, He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. So there's no human relationship that we ought to place a priority over uh, above God. And, and we have a tendency of doing that in our lives. We get very attached and very close and very dedicated to a specific family member, whether it's our father or our mother. We get very close. 
And these relationships can be a great blessing in our life, but can also be a great curse in our life if we are so attached to pleasing this person, our father or mother or even our children. Some people live in dedication to their children and shape their whole life around their children. If we live that way, Jesus says we can't be worthy of being a disciple of his. So we have to make sure that we understand how to put God first and, and make him the center of our life. Like he's the center of our world and should be always. We're not living this life to be disciples of our family. We're not living as disciples of our father or our mother. We're not living to be followers of, of our children and letting them dictate the way we live our life and the things that we do and the choices we make. And this includes ourselves. We're not disciples of ourselves. We can't guide ourselves. Uh, the scripture is, is uh, rife with a bunch of verses that show us this, that the heart is deceitful and it, it will lead us into darkness if we follow our heart. Uh, so we can't guide ourselves. Um, and so we should not be disciples of humans. We should be disciples of Jesus, the, the perfect man. And it's because he loved God first. And so if we don't love him the most in our life, he says, we cannot be his disciples. So that's a good litmus test. That's a good check for us. How devoted are you to human relationships in your life? And only you can answer that. And you need to be honest with that for yourself. And if, if there is, uh, if you place a greater importance on the human relationships in your life above following Christ, then that's a problem. Um, why? Because it means you're going to follow the words of men over the word of God. And we cannot have that attitude if we're disciples and we especially cannot have that attitude if we are going to be, uh, if, if some of you men are going to be elders or deacons someday. You cannot live in devotion to the, the doctrines of men and the ideas of men and the influence of men above the influence of the word. Uh, the disciples have exemplified this in their life. When they go out and start preaching the message of the gospel, they are solidly, they are solidly fixed on this idea of following God above the doctrines of men and so they're confronted with a situation where the Jews are upset with them. Now, these Jews are their own kinsmen, their own countrymen. And a lot of Jews were devoted to their country. A lot of Jews were devoted to their people. A lot of Jews were devoted to their religion. And they were very influenced by that. And some would not stand up and teach the Word of God and put Him first out of fear of men. There's verses that teach us that. There's some people who believed in Jesus, yet they were afraid of the Pharisees and would not, would not publicly declare that they believed in Christ because then they would be kicked out of the synagogue. They'd kicked out of their social circle. They're kicked out of their, their, uh, you know, their congregations where they, where they met, and it meant disconnection from their families, and they were not willing to put that on the line. And we can't live that way. But the disciples are confronted with this, and we read in Acts chapter 5, the Jews come because they're starting to preach about Jesus and starting to teach this gospel. And they said, did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. What was Peter's response to this when they said, stop teaching about Jesus? Did he, in that moment, he had a choice to make. Is he going to follow and be devoted to human relationships? Is he going to be devoted to this religion that he came from? That, was, that he was very influenced by, we know that he was a good Jew. He told God so in Acts chapter 10, or Acts chapter 9 and, verse, and, and Acts chapter 10. When God shows him this vision of all these animals that were considered unclean under the law, God says, kill and eat, and he says, no, no, I've never done that. 
And then he goes into a Gentile's home and he says, I shouldn't even be here. You're a Gentile. We're not supposed to mix. So Peter was very devout in, in that faith, in that religion. And now these people are coming to him and saying, stop teaching about Jesus. And he has a choice to make. And he decides, and correctly, he chooses that God is more important than what these men are teaching. And so Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. And that is the mindset we need to have when we're putting God first and, and following him in our lives. Our loyalty must be to God first. And if it's for every person in this room who is a Christian, you need to put the words of God above any other ideas that come from your family, that come from your friends, that come from your relationships. It doesn't matter if it's your husband or your wife that is teaching you some false doctrine. You need to listen to the word of God above the ideas of your husband and wife. Um, and that might cause a little bit of conflict, uh, but you need to be on the same page. I mean, that's, that's pretty important. And we'll talk about that in another study. But, but sometimes we get so afraid of losing some relationship or causing some kind of strife or some kind of distance between us and another person when it comes to, am I going to obey God or am I going to obey my family? And if we choose to obey our family, we are going to end up empty. Because your family, your father, your mother, your son, your daughter, your wife, your husband, doesn't matter. They are not capable of saving you. Not capable of saving your soul. You weren't baptized in the name of your father, in the name of your mother. Your, your son or your daughter didn't die for you. You weren't baptized in the name of, of any human person other than Christ. And so he's the one we ought to be solidly devoted to. And it's scary. It is. It's scary, and it's, it's uh, sometimes you just have to work through that, that intimidating. If you're intimidated to do that, you have to work through that and push through that and say, you know what, this is the attitude I'm going to have. And so if it stems from loving God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, as Jesus said, you're not going to allow human influence to override your obedience to the Word of God. And that is absolutely critical for a disciple and especially critical for any man who is going to be a leader among the congregation. You have to be solid in that. The other thing we must do as disciples that are loving God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind is to be putting on holiness. We need to be the kind of people that are shaping our lives to match the holiness of God. If we love Him the most in our life, then we're going to put down our own desires. We're going to put down our own will. And instead, we're going to be fashioned to Him. We're going to start to look like Him and put on qualities that reflect God. This is what Peter instructs Christians to do in 1 Peter 1, chapter 14. He says, as obedient children, and to listen to, to our Father, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, don't live according to the blueprint of, of your old life. If, if we're thinking about this in terms of, of building something, imagine if you had a blueprint for a house, but it was totally wrong. It looks right. It looks official because it's on this blueprint uh, paper and you see all the specs and you see all the plans. But if you really truly built it that way, it's going to fall apart. And that's what we used to live by. And now God comes along with his word and gives us a totally freshened, a totally updated, a correct blueprint to pattern our lives. And it might not look exactly the way we want it to and think it should be because of our own human desires. But if we build it the way God asks us to, it's going to be sturdy 
It's going to be solid, and it's going to be built right. And that's what Jesus says in Matthew 7, building our life, our house, on a foundation of rock or sand. And so if we follow ourselves, if we follow our old pattern, we follow our own desires, you are building your life on a foundation of sand, and you are going to fall apart because you will be empty. When all the troubles that life come, that throws at us, uh, when you're in the middle of that storm, you will fall apart. And you will feel, you will, you will, you will see it. And it may, that falling apart might happen over a span of years or decades, but you will fall apart. Unless we fashion ourselves and build ourselves according to the, to the doctrine of God. And so he says, as he that has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of con- conversation or your conduct, your way of life. Be holy in all manner of your way of life. Why? Because God is holy. He that has called us is holy and wants us and invites us to be living up to his standards and his ideals. And so we ought to be holy because the one who called us is holy. I'll give you one more, uh, one more uh, illustration and some imagery that might help to help us uh, see this even more clearly. Um, if you think about the language that Peter is using, and really this language is, is throughout the scriptures, humans have a problem with idols. We make idols. And a lot of times, even though we don't have some official name of a god or some official name of a, uh, or some official structure or statue or image that uh, in our minds about what this god looks like that we bow down and worship, we all have this tendency to gravitate towards idols and for some reason worship the creation more than the creator. But throughout history, people have developed some idea about who God is and what God is, and they will go and take the materials of this earth like wood and stone and gold and silver, and they'll take these materials and mold it and craft it and fashion it according to whatever the image is that comes out of their own mind, which if you look closely and think through it, those idols are simply a reflection of that human that created it. it that idol was created in their own image because it verifies the desires they want, it helps to uh, affirm the desires that this person has, and it approves of this person's way of life. And we do that kind of thing. We, we look to those types of things and create idols out of them. Now. Think about this idea of taking these materials and you're fashioning some kind of image, and that's you. You are the material. Your heart is the material in this. And Peter says, don't look to that old blueprint and fashion yourselves. And imagine these engraving tools and you're chiseling away at this material, and you're fashioning yourself to look like something. And he says, don't make your life look like your former lust and your ignorance. Don't live according to your past, according to the world. But instead, use the blueprint of holiness. Use the model of holiness to craft and fashion your life. And so use the tools that God has given us, his word, as the hammer and the chisel that is shaping and crafting this material, which is you, uh, our own selves, and, and use it to cut away the things that are not good, cut away the things that are not necessary, more and more as we go through life so that we can have this refined image that is made in God's image and not in our own. That's what this verse is saying. Live according to God's image and not your own. So be holy because that's going to be the best reflection of God. And if you're a disciple of Christ, 
you're, you should have a life that is dedicated to doing this. You're, as you go on, as you, you continually learn, as you continually develop, you should be patterning your life after holiness. And if we're not, if we're living like our dead man, the man that died and was buried with Christ, if we're living in that way, in those same habits, that's a problem. We need to let those things go. And we need to embrace the Word of God and new ideas and a new pattern so that we can be shaped by His Word. Uh, because striving to be holy is a constant daily exercise that we should be pursuing. And this is what it means to walk in the Spirit. It's not just a one-and-done thing. Hey, I'm baptized into Christ, and all of a sudden I can just live however and just kind of be on autopilot. That's not how it works. We need to choose daily and in and, and every moment. Because every day there's moments that we're confronted with a choice and we can choose. You have the power to choose. No one forces you to do anything. You choose. Um, and so living, living in this way, being fashioned by His Word and being transformed and being in holiness means a daily exercise of choosing not to be conformed with the world, but instead being transformed. And how does that transformation happen? Romans 12, this is what Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul lays it out here for us. We ought to be living a holy life. Our body is a living sacrifice. It's an ongoing sacrifice to God as we day by day make decisions to follow His will. Don't be conformed, meaning don't submit yourselves to the ideas of the world. And, and, and uh, if you love the world, you're going to do that. And you're gonna be ple- you want to be pleasing to the world. But if instead, as a disciple, you love God the most, you want to be transformed by Him and His Word. And that comes from renewing your mind. You're changing your mind. You're updating the information you have in your mind. You're learning new things. And the goal is for you to be proving and showing what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And it's going to be just emanating from your life. As you change your life, people will see it more and more. And you'll see it more and more. And it's about learning His commandments and not just learning them, but a disciple is somebody who learns the commandments and carries them out in their life and follows that. This is what John said in 1 John chapter 5. He said, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. Now, sometimes they're difficult, and sometimes they are grievous because we don't like it. But truly, His commandments are not grievous. They are, they are in our best interest. And that's what love is, is doing something and helping someone for their best interest. And the commandments that God gives us are rooted in love because it is what is best for you. It is what is best for me. And if we follow His commandments, it might be difficult but it's not something that's going to harm us. It's not something that's going to hurt us. It's something that's going to help us. And we will become stronger and stronger as we go in this pattern of becoming more holy and being more like God. And yes, being a disciple and pursuing holiness, loving God the most, means that you're going to have to shed some things. You're going to have to let go. You're going to have to give up old ideas, maybe old relationships, devotion to... to, uh, money, whatever the idol is, it means you're going to have to let go. That's exactly what Jesus meant when he said, if you seek to save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for Christ's sake and the Gospels, you will find it. 
So you need to develop this habit of being able to let go of what is unholy in your life and pursue that which is holy so that you can find life. Um, and so this process of loving God the most, it comes from choosing to love Him and choosing to follow His commandments and transforming our minds and growing. Because if we don't know what His Word says, we won't know what His commandments are. And, and if we don't know what the commandments are, we're going to end up like all the other, uh, like all the other these denominations of Christianity where we just make up our own commandments and we just follow whatever we want. We won't know what it is that we should follow and keep if we aren't growing in, in knowledge and it's not rooted in a love for wanting to please God because this process of being transformed into God's holiness comes by renewing our minds and we have to have the right information. So go to the source. It's only possible if we dedicate ourselves to continuing in His Word. Peter said this in 1 Peter 1, 3-4, according as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. God has given us all the information we need to live a good and godly life. He's given us all the information we need to pursue life and to live. And He hasn't left anything out. That comes through the knowledge of Him that called us to glory and virtue. That's Jesus Christ. He's the model. And we ought to be looking and growing in knowledge of, of our Savior and the things that he taught and the things he commanded, or else we'll make up our own way. But God gives us the instruction so that we don't have to do that. Because if we make up our own way, we will fall into the ditch, and we'll fall into darkness. But if we follow God's way, he'll lead us in, into righteousness and holiness and, and godliness. And he says that these are given to us, uh, God has given to us these great, exceeding great and precious promises, so that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, the divine nature is God's holiness, and He wants you to be holy like Him. And that's why He gives us the information that He does. And He gives us all the information we need, not just some of it. He hasn't left us in the dark about what it means to be holy. He hasn't left information out for us on how to worship Him properly and how to fashion our lives according to His holiness. He's given us everything, all things that pertain to life and godliness so that we can be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We left that behind. We want to be partakers of God's holiness. He gives us the tools and the instructions to be able to do that. But it starts with loving God the most, and if we love Him, then we will want to put on holiness through transforming our mind, and we will want to learn continually and carry out what the Word of God is. This is the heart of being a disciple, um, because Jesus showed us how to live and how to love God the most, he says in John 15, 10, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Jesus is the model. Follow the commandments of God and abide in His love. And if we do that, we will abide in the love of God. And, and we will, that's how we can show that we love God the most in our life. Not being devoted to men, not being devoted to our relationships in this world, but being devoted to the Word of God the most. And showing that fruit by transforming your life daily and pursuing Him. And this is the heart of discipleship, truly. Now there's a second part to this that Jesus talked about in, that, in those greatest commands. He said that you should not only love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, but you should love your neighbor as yourself. Love other people. How you treat human beings, how you treat each other, is a reflection of whether or not you have love in your life and whether or not you have the love of God in your life. 
because being a disciple of Christ is also reflected in the way we love other people. Um, and I want to f- focus first on the idea of, because we're talking about men who, uh, we're talking about this idea of leadership, of elders and deacons, and we're building up to, to that, you know, getting into those qualifications and, and what's necessary there. But because we're talking about that and leading to that point, it's important for us to understand that, that we need to have a great love for the people in this building and the people that will come to this building and be a part of this congregation. So we need to have a very solid love for the brethren. Um, and I think that this cat- there's two categories when we say love our neighbor as ourselves. And the first is our family in Christ. And that's what I want to focus on really the most uh, for, the, for the purpose of this series. It's important to love the family of Christ. If you're not a disciple, if you're a disciple of Christ, this is, this is required. This is something you have to do. And if you're going to be a leader, this is absolutely required. You cannot be a disciple of Christ if you hate the brethren. And you can't be a leader of God's people if you don't love the people of God. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 says, Whosoever believes that Jesus, is, uh, that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat him, or that begat, saying he's the one that birthed us into this life. He's the one who made us reborn. If uh, everyone that loves him that made us born loves him also that is born of him. Why? Because we're family. You weren't saved and born again, and it's just you by yourself on an island. And now you have no siblings? No. Think of everyone that is born of Christ as your siblings. And if, if we love the Father who, who made us born again, we are also going to love the people that are born again as well. That's what this is saying. You're going to love God, and you're going to love the people that are born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments. You see the connection? And there's a reason that Jesus said, answered this question, what are the two great commandments, or the, what is the greatest commandment? And he answered it in two parts, because these are deeply connected. The idea of loving God and loving man, and especially in this context, loving the, the people of God. He says we ought to love God and keep his commandments, and that's how we can know, we can have certainty that we love the children of God. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. So they are intrinsically connected. Following the commandments of God means you're going to follow, you're, you're, and loving God the most means you're going to love the brethren. You're also going to love His children. It's a natural outcome from following the commandments of God, and we must be careful to maintain this and keep this in our lives. Uh, because it is a problem for any disciple, for every Christian in this room, it is a problem if you don't love your brethren. If you don't love the family of Christ, your brothers and your sisters. Because if you don't, what does that say about your, how you feel toward God? You may not have ever thought about this, or maybe you have, but how you love the people in this room is a reflection of how you love God. You cannot simply love one or the other. You can't claim to be a Christian and abiding in Him, saying, yeah, I love God, and then treat the people of God like dirt, like second-rate, like people you don't really want to be around and spend time with and care about and listen to and be there for. 
You can't, you, that's not possible. <laughs> we can't be a disciple if we're not going to love the people of God, the, our fellow disciples. And, and this isn't just something I'm making up. John said this in 1 John 4, 20. If any man say, I love God and hates his brethren or his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother who he has seen, how can he love God who he has not seen? We see the people in this room. We can see each other. And we experience one another and, and each other's presence and, and we interact and we talk with one another. And if we can't bring ourselves to love the people in this room, how is it possible for us to love God? Because we haven't even seen God. But we have seen the people right in front of us. <laughs> so if we, can't, if we can't do it when it's right in front of us and, and love, then how can we expect to love God? That's the question that John poses. And it's a very serious question, a very deep question for us to think about in our own lives. And, and, I, and I don't think that means we'll never get annoyed or irritated, because I know I'm kind of annoying. <laughs> but love covers a multitude of sins. Love will cover those kinds of, of annoyances. Love will compel us to be there for each other and to bear each other's burdens and to love love. Uh, loving means you're going to carry out actions that are in the best interest of another person. And you're going to sacrifice your own self, your own time, your own desires for that person. That's what love is. It's a sacrificial type of love. And that's the type of love that Jesus calls us to have for his children. And John 13, he, he exemplifies it this way. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. As I have loved you, so that you, so, uh, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. And we can look at the ways that Jesus loved his disciples. And, and I know we've talked about that before. He gave them correction. He gave them the truth. He, he gave them support. He helped them to grow. He called them out when it was important for him to call them out in, of their errors. Um, and, and ultimately, he died for them. He gave up his own life for the people that he loved, his disciples. Um, and that's the kind of love that we ought to be motivated by for one another. We ought to love each other so much that we're willing to give, give up our own selves for each other. Because he says, if we treat each other this way, all men will know. And I, and I will guarantee you that everyone in this community will know whether or not we're really disciples. Every visitor that comes through will know, are we truly disciples? Every person who comes that's new, who decides to be a member of this congregation and wants to worship with us, and even if they don't think they're members, but they continually visit us, they will know if we are disciples of God or not. How? By the way you treat each other. By the way we love one another. If we're constantly fighting among, amongst ourselves, that tension is felt. I've been to places where there was contention and it was not a good place to be. It was not a good place to worship. And I've heard of, of that being at, at such a level that people just end up leaving because they can't worship properly when there's such contention. If we come to a place and we want to gossip about each other, people will hear that. You may think that you're speaking quietly if you're in the middle of a room talking about a brother or sister, but people can hear you. <laughs> Especially if we did it here, it's not a very big room. <laughs> we'll be able to hear. Maybe it's expressed in other ways. Those are, those are some, pretty, uh, some pretty aggressive or negative things that, that you know, are displayed. But maybe it's you don't show up when your brother or sister is in the hospital. 
Maybe they're, they're in the hospital dying or maybe they have some kind of illness and you know about it and other people know about it and no one spends time and takes time to check on them and go see them or call them or just a, just a phone call would be great. Um, maybe, maybe we don't take time to do that and show them that we care for them. I mean, remember what Jesus said, if you did it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Visiting people when they're sick is, is pretty important. Checking on them and being there and letting them know that we're, we're here and that we're behind them and, and here for them. Maybe we don't spend time together. It's like, well, it's just people from the church. I see them on Sunday. I don't want to go spend time with them. Maybe it's a, even if it's just a game night. It's not, it's not good for us to just deprioritize our brethren and say, well, I'm too busy for that. I don't want that. That's not, a good, that's not a good quality for us to have in our life, in our heart. Uh, I understand we're busy, and being busy is okay, I mean, like, to, to a degree, for sure. But if we're so busy that, that we get frustrated when we think about spending time with our brethren, that, that's not a good thing. In all the ways that we treat each other, whether it's something that's negative, or maybe it's even something that's not so negative, and we're just absent, and we're not there, and we're not present, Everything that we're doing, we're constantly communicating to everyone around us if Christ is in us or not. And, and we as a congregation are communicating that. Is Christ in us or is he not? And we're doing that by the way we treat each other. <clears throat> because by this will all men know if you have the kind of love for one another. And if we don't have it, it's obvious. And if we pretend that we have it and we say, oh, yeah, I love God and I want to follow him, but, but we don't really carry this out, we don't really do the things that we need to, we're liars. We're lying to ourselves and we're lying to everybody around us. And so we have to have a solid love for the people of God. Be there for each other, care about each other, lift each other up. All disciples are required to do this, but especially men who are going to be elders or deacons in a congregation. You can't be a good leader if you don't love the people of God, simply put. And this act of loving God, it's sacrificial because it means it's a constant act of self-denial because you're putting other people before yourself. Yeah, you may want to sit back and kick back and go relax and go home and do all these things, but maybe somebody's in need and, and you need to give up some time to go and just sit with them and listen. Maybe they need guidance. Maybe there's scriptures that you can share. That, that will help somebody. Maybe it means studying with somebody who, who needs help in a, in a specific area of their life. Maybe there's a doctrine that people are confused about and, and you, know, you know because you've studied it and it's important for you to go sit down and study with them. It's inconvenient. Sometimes it is. <laughs> but we need to be instant in season and out of season. When it's convenient and when it's not convenient, we need to be ready to help our brothers and our sisters in Christ um, and Paul lived this way, and, and here's the goal. Here's the reason that we ought to do this. Not it's like, well, God said I have to do this, so I'm going to go spend time with, I have to go spend time with Christians. <laughs> That's not the mindset we ought to have and the, the way we ought to feel. We ought to be excited about that, and we ought to love that, and the things that we do for each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, there's a goal, and the goal is this. Uh, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 10, 32. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. He's saying conduct yourself in a way that's, that is appropriate in all these different areas in these ways. 
even as I please all men in, in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. Paul did things to help build relationships with people. He wasn't saying that he was pleasing men and that he was going to obey them over God, but he conducted himself in such a way that he would profit the people that he was serving, whether they were Jews or Gentiles or to the church. But what we do should be with this mindset. We're not seeking our own profit. I'm not going to help you so that you can help me. I'm not, it's not a, hey, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. I'm going to go be there for you when you have a need and you're in the hospital because that's what I want you to do for me. That's not, that's not the mindset we should have. I'm not going to give you money so that, oh, someday I'm going to need money and you can give me money. That's not the idea we should have in our mind. We ought to just do it with nothing, with no expectation of anything in return, but simply for their profit, simply to benefit somebody else with no expectation of getting anything out of anyone or currying favor with anyone or winning a relationship by giving people stuff, but just simply for their profit because the end goal is that they may be saved. That is why we should love one another and do all these things for each other because we are trying to help each other be saved. We are trying to support each other so that we can stand together at that judgment day and hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We should want that for each other. That's the end goal of our service to, to everyone, to loving our fellow man. That's the end goal, that they may be saved. And we ought to live in this type of sacrificial love with a solid hope of saving someone's soul and influencing the people around us and helping the people around us grow. And with that, our love for our brethren should be rooted in this idea of them being saved by helping them to be built up and to be edified. That should be our constant desire for the people in this room and the people that will come, the people that even if they visit, for, even if it's just a Sunday, our goal should be we want you to be built up and be edified so that you can be saved, and we're here to help you and, and want you to be built up and strengthened in Christ. And that won't happen if we as disciples don't care about doing our part and contributing something. And so we have to be we have to be contributing in our acts of service and our acts of love towards one another and our support that we show people and even in the ways that we contribute in the assembly. That's important as well. But notice what Paul says in Ephesians 4.15. As, as a body grows together, all these parts are connected. We ought to be that connected with each other. He says, Speaking the truth in love may grow up into him all things which is the head, even Christ, for, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So if you imagine this, uh, imagine that. Keep, hold that image in your mind as well. This is a body. We're not just a random collection of people that have come together. We're family in Christ, and we should be deeply connected with one another and the things you do in your life, the way you live your life, and the choices you make, and the way you treat the other body parts influences the other body parts. Um, and it helps them, or it hurts them. Um, but it says that the body will grow and be edified together and it is compacted, it's joined together, and it's strengthened and built up by what every joint supplies, by everything that you contribute, 
as a member of the body of Christ, and if, if, the, if the effectual, by the effectual working in the measure of every part, so the things you do will help to increase the body in strength, hopefully. And that should be our goal, to show the truth and teach the truth in love so that the body can be edified. And that's the kind of love we ought to have for one another in showing the love, self-sacrificing, caring about their salvation, and caring about them being built up in the knowledge of the truth. Um, because we're joined together in the body, and the strength of our brothers and sisters is greatly impacted by what you contribute. You may not think that, but imagine, imagine if you had to amputate a foot on your own body, and then tell me that it's not going to be difficult and impact the rest of your body. Tell me that it's not going to be harder for you to get around and harder to do the things that you need to do because your foot is missing. If you are missing, and you could even show up to the assembly and you still could be missing because your mind is somewhere else and your life is somewhere else and you're just here to go through the motions. If you're not here and you're present and you care about what's going on and contributing, you're just like a foot that's missing from someone's body and you're making it difficult for everyone else and you're impacting the lives of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Whether you think about it, whether you think that's true or not, it's true. Uh, because if we're disciples, we're going to care about being here and supporting other people, lifting each other up, building each other up. We're going to care about the growth of the people that are around us in the body uh, and, and even our own selves. And we're going to speak the truth and love to one another to do that. And it's important for us to, to look out for their best interest. And edifying them in the words of Christ is the best thing you can do for one another. We don't need cute, fluffy stories and memes on Facebook to build us up and give us some spiritual strength. We need the Word of God, and you are a vessel carrying the Word of God who can spread it and share it with other people, and especially the people in this room. And we ought to be open to that with each other because that's where our strength is going to come from. Um, now, now, the second group, we haven't focused a lot on this one, and there's more that we could say about this group, I'm sure, but the second group is not just our brothers and sisters in Christ, but even the people that are outside of the church. We need to have a love for the people that are our fellow, fellow human beings outside of the church. And the, again, the goal is to help them be saved and to help influence their lives. Uh, but in general, if they're, if they're going to choose not to be saved, in general, we ought to display ourselves in such a way to where there's no question on how we've conducted ourselves toward other people. We've done what's best in their best interest and tried our best to show them the love of God. And Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good to all men. Do good things for the people in this world. The people in this community, in your communities, in your, in your area, in your neighborhood, do things that are good for them. And he says, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And if you are very keen on trying to be a good person and treat other people well, you ought to especially do that for the people in the church. But we have a, a commandment from God to do good to all people. And that, again, that, that means uh, showing them actions and, and carrying out actions towards them that help, that is in their best interest. Um, and so, while our brethren should have the higher priority, we have to show this love to all as we have opportunity. And Jesus, again, is the perfect picture of this. If we're going to live and walk as He walked, He's the perfect picture. John 15, verse 13, Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. It's a self-sacrificing love. Jesus went 
to the farthest extremes to show that love and lay down his life, and we ought to be willing to do that as well and have that same kind of love for each other because we ought to care about the family of God that much. If we care about the family of God that much, that comes from loving God truly. So you have to love God and love, love one another to be a disciple of Christ, and these are the qualities that you ought to have in your life and be developing and cultivating in your life. If there's something missing, start working on that. Start changing that. Start transforming your mind. We're here to help in any way as well. What's the outcome of that? What if you do these things and you're carrying these out and you're a disciple of Christ and you're truly a disciple? Well, there's a couple of outcomes that I want to point out. One is that your religion will be pure. People have this wacky idea in the world. It's like, well, I don't want to be religious. I want to be, I'm focused on relationship. And I, and, and I, think, I say it's wacky because that goes against what the scriptures say. He says we ought to have pure religion. We want religion. We want the religion of God. And it's rude. it is connected to relationships, but, but it is a religion. It's following the commandments and the instruction that God has given us and how to live and how to shape our lives. But he says, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. And if you pay close attention, this, is, this captures the two great commandments. Loving God by keeping yourself unspotted from the world, you're keeping yourself holy, and loving your fellow man. That's visiting the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. You're looking out for their interests. You're looking out for their needs. And if we carry this out in our lives, we will have a pure religion before the Father. And that's exactly what we want to have. We want to be pleasing to Him and have a pure religion. And, and one that is undefiled before God. And that's worshiping Him truly in spirit and in truth. With the way we live our lives, as Paul said, a holy sacrifice, a living sacrifice. And so that's an outcome that we will experience and be experiencing in our lives. And, and again, this is fruit that you can look at and say, do I have this in my life or do I not? And then work your way back and say, what is causing me from not having this outcome in my life? And, and be able to... Uh, Examine that and focus on that. The second thing is that you will be producing fruit. If you're a disciple of Christ, you will be producing fruit uh, of, of all kinds, and, and namely the things that, that Paul writes about in Galatians chapter 5. He says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. These are the kinds of things that you will be producing in your life and should be present in your life if you're a disciple of Christ walking in the Spirit. Faith, goodness, gentleness, peace, long-suffering. There's something missing here in your life. And, and I know there's weak areas for me. But if, if there's something missing, it's, it's time to put attention to that and figure out what the problem is so that you can be producing this kind of fruit. He says, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And again... This goes back to the idea of loving God and keeping His commandments. Be holy as He is holy. Choose to walk each day making choices that reflect your obedience to the Word of God so that this fruit will be produced in your life and you will show that you are a disciple of Christ. Um, and if you're a disciple, you're going to be producing a whole lot of fruit in the kingdom of God and living a fruitful life is going to bring glory to God. So it's, it's critically important for us to know if we believe Jesus and we believe in His Word, then we must be disciples of Jesus by loving God and loving our fellow man, especially the household of faith. And we should be striving to keep the commandments of God. 
Because if we're not doing that as an individual, that is a problem. And if you are a man in the congregation that could be an elder or a deacon someday, that is a problem. You won't be able to be a leader if you're not living in faithfully to the commandments of God. And, and, your, and your spouse should also be doing this because it's important for a man's wife to be this kind of faithful person as well if you're going to be put in this position. Um, and if we do this, we will be the kind of people that we will be able to be an example to other people in God's church. So take this very seriously, and I, and I commend the, the lesson to you this morning. If, if you're living this life uh, of a disciple, you ought to be reflecting these things that we talked about. And so it's important for you to ask yourself, am I living this kind of life today? Am I this kind of person? Do the qualities and the, the actions and the, the things in my life reflect that I am a disciple of Christ? If you're not, then there needs to be some things that, that change in your life. And we would love to help uh, here as a family of Christ. We are here to help each other. And we're here to pray with you and study with you and, and help in any way that we can. Um, and maybe you're here this morning and, and haven't heard about these things and you want to be a disciple and you want to be pleasing to God and you want to follow His commandments and you want to be saved. Maybe, maybe that's where you are. Uh, the way you begin by being a disciple of, in Christ is by being baptized into Him. You know, we haven't talked about those things but, uh, in, in great depth, but Jesus is the only one that can save you. There's no man, there's no idea, and you cannot save yourself. So if you want to be saved, you must be baptized into Him. And we can assist with that as well. So if you're here this morning and you need the prayers of the church, please let us help. We're here to help bear one another's burdens. And we're here for you if, if you'll come forward as we stand and sing. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.